You are listening to the Moncrief Show on Newstalk. Our WhatsApp number is 87 106 We would appreciate your messages or your voice notes. It is indeed time again for Movies and Booze. We are joined by Dean McGuinness, Brian Lloyd and the Cork Triathlete, Fanula Jones. Um, I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> Who, once again, learns a lesson of don't say anything before we go on air. I haven't even done it yet. I can't even yeah. say that I am. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. What, are the, what are the three? I, I, I assume blushing a, isn't one of the no, events at which place your training is going. Yeah. It's a swim, cycle and a run. It's only a sprint triathlon, but yeah, we'll what, see. What is that? That's still pretty class. So it's short, shorter. So it's like a 750 metre swim, 20k cycle, 5k run. Oh, oh, oh that's, yeah, a, you're that's not You're not filling not me with confidence here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's, the, what's the longest you've cycled? I haven't actually started any cycling training yet, so oh, okay. that's the swimming and the running. I'm like, they're going well so far. Okay, but yeah. that's good. But you can ride a bike. I can ride a bike. Okay, yeah. that's good. Yeah, that would that, that would be yeah, yeah. Well, probably how how difficult can cycling? Like you're sitting on your arse, just basically moving oh, no, your legs. No, yeah. my dad, my dad, right when I was like 19, when I was like. I don't know, very, very young. He did 24 hours 24 around St. Stephen's Green for Cotted Ireland. Ouch. And he actually broke his coccyx. So good luck with that. Again, filling me with confidence. <laughs> but Thank that you. Was, just don't do it for 24 hours. Okay, yeah, don't, don't, like, yeah. yeah. don't do that. Yeah, okay. yeah. Don't do that. You'll be fine. 20 hours is grand. Yeah, yeah. okay, cool. Okay. 23.5. And, yeah. and is it like you're doing it with other people or, or just by I'm yourself? I'm doing it with a friend because we said it as like a New Year's resolution, something we always no. want. Ooh, just be drunk? able to say with it, yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah. so, yeah, yeah. And so, are you, have you got to like a root or and all that kind of stuff? Or, or we're doing it in Derry. Um, I actually haven't You're looked at anything Derry. else, yeah. Yeah, that's a bit of. There you go. We're just back look. from Derry. There you go. Yeah, just cycle to Derry. That's one part of a done. That, that's probably started, all three yeah. parts of a done, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. uh, and actually no, that would take twenty four hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, yes, the I'm traumatised even the, thinking about the this. Roads so isn't great. Anyway, uh, let's we'll, we'll move on from uh, Fanula Sporting, but we'll keep a uh, <laughs> we'll keep a close eye on Fanula uh, Sporting I'll progress. I'll update you when I start cycling. Uh, as things that uh, move ahead. So, Dean, what do we? Uh, you, you brought in the nasty beer. What? Well, not the wonderful beer. We'll oh, look, she's in training for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one and only time I bought a running magazine, it was because it said beer and running on the front of the magazine and I thought, you know, that they would be saying don't ever drink beer but the the recommendation was that you should use a beer as an incentive to complete the have exercise. Have a beer at the, at, running, at, at the, at the finish yeah. line. Yes. And it's isotonic. So basically you are having your incentive because you're going to be doing exercise. I'll be running to the pulp at the end of it. You can, <laughs> yeah, you can rest assured. National Homebrew Club uh, beer competition is back. It took a hiatus for three years. So we have 217 beers being judged uh, tomorrow. And the uh, prize for the top brewer and the top beer is a trip to Belgium with a series of beer masterclasses in the Delirium Brewery, uh, beer masterclass with Chimay in the Grand Place, VIP passes into the beer festival, uh, VIP pass to the Hoppy Loft, which you, I think, have uh, yes, fond indeed. memories of in yeah. uh, the Delirium Cafe. No, I have no memories of it. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, uh, kind of a, a series of, of beer dinners in between and, and so on. So... What we've got is a mini experience of what the prize winner will win. We've got the newest beer from Delirium, which is Delirium Argentum. It's a um, Belgian IPA. And we have the newest beer from Chimay, which is Chimay Special, a 10% ABV uh, Belgian blonde. Right, great. Okay, so the two of you are involved in competitions. Brian? (laughs) (laughs) 
it myself. Sure. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, it's an internal that's, struggle. That's, it's not, that's, it's the, that's the most difficult struggle. Yeah. yeah. True, yeah. Well, look, so uh, I, what, what, John Wick Chapter 4, yeah. uh, you want to see, is that the kind of film where, you know, men come out and feel inadequate? No, not at all. I mean, like, well, okay, right. Keanu Reeves, in fairness to him, he's 58 and he's yeah. able to throw himself across the screen and, you know, put his head through plate glass windows and brush it off. No man is ever going to be able to do that. I yeah, mean, well, so, there you go. So, you know, I don't feel inadequate about it. Well, no, you know, when you were a kid, I know you probably don't remember this, but like go when on. I was a kid, people would go to Bruce Lee movies and all, you'd be, everyone would be running out trying to kick each other oh, in the yeah, head, 100%. you know? That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, did you try to kill it? Did you have any murderous urges after <laughs> seeing this film? I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of always there, but like, no, yeah, they, weren't, yeah. they weren't heightened by seeing John Wick 4. No, not at all. Okay, so, but this is the last one, we're told. Well, uh, well, yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Now, yeah. I mean, they have like a, there's a TV series that they've been trying to get into production for years and it hasn't come yet. Apparently, Anna de Armas is going to be in a spin-off of it as well called Ballerina. I don't know. It wasn't mentioned in the film. But yeah, this is basically Keanu Reeves' final version or final film as John Wick. Right, OK. And the other film we're going to be talking about today, God's Creatures, quite different to John Wick. Quite different, yeah. So this is uh, Paul Meskel's new film. He stars alongside Emily Watson. It <laughs> is set on the west coast of Ireland that actually opened the Dublin International Film Festival as well. Very, very dark. Kind of has a story that's ripped from the headlines that uh, has a little bit of an unsatisfactory ending, but I suppose we'll talk about that later. Okay, fair enough. Right, so uh, any predictions already? It just feels like they just happened. I know, but I just feel like it's the level of television that we're getting and it's kind of a, a very contentious race this year because I suppose last year it was we were playing catch up with the pandemic and there was just so much to get through and um, so a couple of places are putting out their predictions already but just so people understand to be in for any consideration the show has to have aired between June 1st 2022 and May 31st 2023 for this year's Emmys I should say right. so like some of the ones that I think will be in contention they're kind of coming into their last season Succession which we'll talk about a little bit later on Marvelous Miss Maisel Atlanta Better Call Saul um, and then you've some other kind of uh, anomalies like White Lotus obviously previously competed in the limited series category but now it's competing in the outstanding drama category because it was only supposed to go for one season and then they were like actually this is great and people love this let's do it again and then you've a lot of newcomers like Andor uh, The Mandalorian and the Lord of the Rings the Amazon yeah. Prime series there um, so in terms of predictions I think Variety have said nominees for Outstanding Drama Series we're looking at Succession The Last of Us White Lotus Yellow Jackets which season 2 is imminently start. I think it's this week if it's oh, not yeah. out already The Crown House of the Dragon which again seems like I watched a million years ago uh, Better Call Saul and Andor uh, and then in terms of the voting so the voting takes place June 15th 20 to the 26th and then the Emmys aren't actually on until September so there's like a lot of time but in, yeah. I, I thought it was interesting there were other kind of ineligible series that are out this year but will probably be up for next year you have like the Severance the second season of that is out this year that's on Apple TV Plus Squid Game season 2 were expected this year uh, third season of Bridgerton third season of Euphoria Stranger Things obviously the final season of that I would say that will be up for a lot of awards in the following years Emmys but yeah it's going to be very interesting to see what actually makes it uh, is there any word how Squid Game series 2 works given everybody died given everybody died. well alert. I'm assuming it's just a fresh batch of contestants I actually haven't heard much in terms of the production or I know the the game reality series they did of it for Netflix was like very badly panned for how it treated contestants mm, yeah. and stuff and general well-being but no I haven't heard much in terms of plot so 
Yeah, because didn't you'd they wonder... break up the whole thing anyway? At yeah, the end? but that's so... the thing. I suppose you'd wonder how many series of it you can do if it's just like obviously the games. I'm sure will change and they'll get worse and like more graphic or whatever. Or they'll figure out the games and they'll overthrow it or whatever. That's my impression. But yeah, I haven't heard much. Uh, haven't heard much else about it. Right now, that that was Emmy's Baftas. BAFTAs, yeah, we have a lot of Irish talent showing out. This is the TV BAFTAs, I should say. So we have Anne-Marie Duff's nominated, Sharon Horgan for Bad Sisters, Sean McSweeney's up for Dairy Girls, Killian Murphy's up for Peaky Blinders, Peaky Blinders' only nomination this year, I should say. Fiona Shaw, who's in Andor, she's up for an award. Um, yeah, we did a, we did very well, I have Fiona to say. Fiona Shaw could be, uh, yeah, nominated for several things, I think. Yeah. Just not Andor. Yeah. Yeah. Have you not seen Andor? Oh, I have, yeah. yeah but she's I know, brilliant, oh, I know like, she is yeah. great, yeah, but she's, I think she was in three or four other things as True, well. True, yeah. Uh, so I could just give her, you know, a prize. Give for her it all. Being in everything. Give uh, her really. it all. So Top Gear is over, it's finished. It's it's uh, it's really, really, really the end this time. Yeah, so they halted filming on the 34th season, which is nuts. Uh, Freddie Flintoff was involved in an accident on the show's test track uh, at the end of last year, December. And basically, there's reports that basically he's just said he's like, really, this isn't his first crash he's been in, but this crash has left like quite an emotion had an emotional impact on him and I just don't think he can keep going with filming BBC have said that they did an investigation into it and they've apologised and they continue to apologise to Freddie and they're going to continue to support him in his recovery but yeah it's done uh, he joined the show in 2019 alongside Paddy McGuinness and uh, Chris Harris this is obviously the reboot when the original Three Amigos left so okay it's done it's done okay uh, no more cars oh, yeah but the, the other three yahoos are on Amazon still going, yeah. yeah, so I suppose uh, it was diminishing returns anyway. Joe and Loud says ran an 8K uh, a few years ago in the middle of summer that took me past a lovely seaside pub with people standing outside cheering and drinking pints. It was feck and torture. So tip there uh, on uh, choosing your route. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for uh, that. You just know that Paul Meskell will do serious roles for the next while, but when he hits his 50s, He'll turn into Liam Neeson, snapping baddies' necks no slower than one and a half seconds. Yes, that's that's a possibility. That's a possibility. If they can yeah. come up with the right format for him. Yeah, He'd absolutely. He'd be a great neck snapper. I would imagine it so, yeah. I mean, like, he played for Kildare, like, so, like, he's got that, you know, got yeah. the, the sharp elbows. <laughs> he's like, got that know. clinical finishing. Yeah. Uh, right. Speaking of neck snappers, let's move on to our first beer. <laughs> so, first beer that we've got, Delirium Argentum. Uh, now, this is a beer style that has kind of come about in the last 10, 15 years. Um, what you've got with beer styles, they... Uh, Kind of don't you don't start out with a beer style and then somebody brews the beer. You start out with people brewing beers and then they have a look at a range of beers and decide that these ones are all quite similar to each other and they put them together into a style and the style evolves. Sometimes then what you've got is you've got a number of styles and a number of brewers come along and say let's take a bit of this and a bit of this and put it together. So with this, this is a Belgian IPA. So they've taken a classic IPA and a Belgian ale and put the two of them together. Mm-hmm. With the uh, classic IPA, you've got a good hoppy character. The colour is more in line with what would be considered normal for a classic IPA. So original historic IPAs would have been kind of a dark amber uh, colour. Pale uh, beers kind of started at the amber and went a little bit darker than that rather than being the bright gold that you associate with pale beers nowadays. Um, So with this you've got uh, caramel coffee biscuit, um, uh, digestive biscuit, malt flavours in it balanced out with uh, a certain amount of lime juice, tropical fruit flavours, melon, uh, mango and then the Belgian 
ale element of it gives a certain amount of spiciness. Mm. So you've got kind of a nutmeg, clove um, and licorice uh, aroma in it. Absolutely beautiful beer. It's it's a respectable seven percent. Uh, okay, yeah, that's it. That's fine. Not, not, you drink that like water. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can have a bottle of that, and your bicycle there for that. No problem at all. So yeah, but uh, with with uh, homebrewing, we're on now to. Uh, Beer style guidelines from 2021, about five or, every five or six years they change the style guidelines. So the ones before were from 2015 and uh, now we're working on beer style guidelines from 2021. And uh, what that is, is a whole pile of home brewers and craft brewers come together and decide what beer styles are. We're up to around 110 or 120 oh, styles. Oh, crikey. And, the, um, and the, the name Argentum, do, do you know where that comes from? Yeah, this is uh, the 25th anniversary of the brewing of the original original um, Delirium Tremens beer. So 25th anniversary, silver anniversary in Argentum is Latin for silver. Okay. So oh, uh, very posh. Okay. <laughs> nice one. All right. So yes, uh, very nice indeed. And uh, as uh, Dean says, a very mild uh, 7%. You won't, uh, you won't fall asleep uh, before you finish it or anything. Uh, right. So we uh, look at, talk about neck snapping. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Bonjour, Monsieur Wick, and welcome to La Resistance. A little far from home, aren't you? Well, your little act of uncivil disobedience inspired me, John. I'm branching out, spreading my wings. How goes the ground farewell tour? Coming to an end. So it seems, so it seems. 42 regular, wasn't it? It's Kevlar front to back. The latest in ballistic chic. Appropriate for all formal occasions. Weddings, funerals, high table duels. After all, a man has to look his best when it's time to get married. Or buried. That was the longest piece of dialogue we can find in that uh, t- 169 minutes of John Wick Chapter 4. Uh, so I suppose it doesn't take... Well, is there an inciting? Because, you know, since the first one it was his dog, is there any sort of inciting incidents that fuels his, his oh, yeah. latest murderous rampage? Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, I, I, th- I think it's interesting to look at John Wick as a series because, like, the first one was very minimalist. As you said, it was literally retired assassin, his house gets broken into, his dog get killed, and then he decides to go on a murderous rampage. Mm. And then you go look at John Wick 4 and it's just turned into this maximalist kind of thing where, you know, it starts off in Osaka, Japan, and then it goes to Jordan and then it goes to Paris and then it goes to New York and then it goes to Berlin. And it's all about like this secret underworld, this thing called the High Table, which is this massive crime syndicate, this globe spanning crime syndicate that John Wick has managed to piss off at numerous points. And it's gone to such a point now where they're like, right, we're going to kill you in the best way possible. We're going to send Donnie Yen, who is this, if you don't know who Donnie Yen is, he's this Hong Kong action superstar he plays this blind assassin called Kane imaginative but yes but I mean at the same time <laughs> oh like he, no they didn't think that one through really did they but at the same time <laughs> to be fair he is quite handy with that Kane so okay, you know, he, earns okay. the, he earns that title Yeah. but look I mean you're not really kind of watching John Wick for the plot you're really watching it for the action and the mm. set pieces and the stunts and all the rest of it and I think what John Wick has done incredibly well and I think does here to such a fine degree is it turns stunt work into an art form it really does. It builds it to such a point where 
there is nothing else like it. I mean, in terms of like action, and, and I mean, <clears throat> I say action, I mean actual people being thrown through plate glass windows, people driving cars and shooting guns and all the rest of it, not just pixels moving around the screen. There have only been two franchises in the last 20 years that have kept this up. John Wick and Mission Impossible. And both of those franchises are coming to an end this year. Because well, well, right, actual stunts. That's yes. what I mean, yes, yeah. actual stunts. Yeah. Real yeah. kind of like working with, you know, practical effects that you can see in camera, that you can see people being thrown across the screen and there's like all the dance rhythm mm. and all the rest of it. Um because I don't count, I personally don't count Marvel and DC and all that crap as actual action films because it's just pixels. Yeah. It's just pixels moving around the screen. Yeah. This is actual people that have been trained and have been doing this for years. And like I was saying earlier, like Keanu Reeves is 58 now and he's still able to do this and do this really, really well. Um, you know, there's other actors in it, like Scott Adkins, as he's in his like late 40s, but he's been doing a lot of like indie action films. Donnie Yen, I think, is like 62 or 63. Um, you know, so like it's 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 really thrilling to see like these titans of action cinema coming back for one last show, and it's not like you know certain times when you see like old bands getting back together mm. and they're not quite at their <laughs> best, you know. And there's always an element of like, ah, oh, they were great twenty years ago. You mm. should have seen them twenty years ago. This is not like that. These guys are still operating at their best. Now, granted. You know, I'm sure they had very sore knees when they were all done. And this is the <laughs> last time you're going to see them all together. So I would encourage people to go see this because they are not making these anymore. And they won't make these anymore. Like you look at, I don't know, Chris Evans. You look at Robert Downey Jr. You look at Chris Hemsworth. You look at any of these people. They are not under any circumstances putting their body on the line the way that Tom Cruise and Keanu Reeves and Scott Adkins have yeah. over the years because A, insurance companies won't allow them to do it B, directors just won't take that chance I mean you look what happened with Alec Baldwin and all the rest of mm. it like, they just risk mitigation is the big thing now for action cinema and also as well is that like Tom Cruise and Keanu Reeves and Scott Adkins and Donnie Yen and all these guys they literally have 30 years 40 years banked of stunt work of learning how to move how to dance how to kind of like fall properly and not hurt themselves and how to get up afterwards and all the rest of it so you're watching the very pinnacle of action action stunt work in John Wick chapter 4 and it's brilliant and it's like yes it is 170 minutes long you don't feel it you really really don't okay. feel it so it's absolutely worth watching. Right, okay. So, and, and But it's just like we're, we're a bad organisation we want to kill John. That's, yeah, basically that's, that's it. And he has to go, he has to go around basically like he has to uh, join this, his old crime syndicate family. He has to become a member of them. In order to do that, he has to go to this Berlin nightclub and kill a guy. He kills the guy in a very, very violent fashion. He gets accepted into the family and then he goes on this uh, one-on-one duel with Donnie Yen on the steps of Sacre Coeur in Paris. Like it looks gorgeous. Like that's the thing. Like all the, the set pieces in it are shot in these beautiful places like the opening set piece is set in Osaka, Japan and it's all like all neon it's kind of like black rain you know that film with Michael Douglas yeah it's all yeah. that yeah like the, the Ridley Scott one it's all like like neon everywhere and water and like like lilies in the trees and there's like this one bit where uh, Hiroyuki Sanada and Donnie Yen have this sword fight together and it's done exactly like a Kurosawa thing where there's you know like the trees are you know it's just it's brilliant and then another bit then is when that bit I was talking about in Berlin where they have this fight scene in a nightclub and it's Keanu Reeves fighting uh, Scott Adkins who's in this who's in a uh, fat suit 
beating the crap out of each other and it's just brilliant like you're just watching it it's so so good and then there's another bit when they're in Paris I sound like a teenager here it's like yeah. this happens and then this happens and this happens but you do watch it and you get just so caught up in it because it just it starts and it's bam boom, the whole way through it yeah. doesn't stop like when it does break for like 5-10 minutes you do kind of see that Keanu Reeves is is not a good actor <laughs> he's not a good actor no no but uh, no. but give him give him to give him his dues He's an incredible sun person. He yeah. has, and like you see him being thrown around the place. You can see his face. It's not like they've CG'd him on or yeah, anything like yeah. that. It's really him throwing people around the place and being thrown around the place too. Same with Donnie Yen. So I got to give it up. Uh, yeah. So if, and Mission Impossible is coming to an end. This is coming to an end. Mm. So there's, there's no other action. No. Movie. Someone says, should the Bourne movies not be included in that list of franchises? Yeah, but I mean, I feel like the Bourne movies were kind of a bit, I don't know, they came a bit road. And I think what Paul Greengrass did, he kind of perfected this sort of uh, cinema verite in in actions in words like the camera was constantly mm, yeah. moving and it had that kind of effect of you didn't really know if it was Matt Damon being thrown around the screen if it was a stunt man has been kind of pulling because the the camera was yeah, moving so yeah. hard whereas if you look at John Wick if you look at Mission Impossible you can see clearly that it's Tom Cruise driving that motorbike around Paris you can clearly see that it's Keanu Reeves throwing three dudes through a plate glass window and killing them with a pencil that all you can see him doing it because the the director in John Wick, Chad Stileski, and then in Mission Impossible, Christopher McQuarrie, he makes the point of it's clearly visible. It's like, it's like, I mean, this goes back to like the 60s, like when Steve McQueen was doing Bullet. The director, Peter Yates, he made, there's a famous scene when Steve McQueen backs up the Ford Mustang, mm. like reverses it and the wheel spins and he does this like donut and drives off. And he made Steve McQueen lean out the window to watch the tire spinning because he says we want people to know that it's, it's Steve you. McQueen doing yeah. this not just a stunt driver doing this and that's the same kind of idea here yeah I was just keeping you talking until the uh, uh, outrage text started coming in oh. Keanu can't act excuse you <laughs> Keanu is brilliant and always be my maybe yeah but I mean he had one scene <laughs> and he was playing himself he had yeah. one scene and he was playing himself it's still acting what about the one with him and Sandra Bullock and they're sending letters to each other but one of them's in the past or the future <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that was speed, but no, this is a different speed one. Speed as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can, I can, hold on a second, right? I think when he is in his comfort zone, a la action films like Speed, you know, uh, like John Wick, even Man of Tai Chi, that one he directed, it's terrible, 47 running. He's great. Put him in, you know, a, a meaty drama and he's completely at sea. Get him into a comedy. He's great. He was brilliant in um, Always Be My Maybe that the yeah. texter mentioned there. He is great in that. He's playing himself. He's playing a high, very heightened version of himself. But yeah, I mean, like he was in this other thing called Knock Knock that was um, directed by Eli Roth and Anna Darmus was in it. And he was terrible in it. He was so bad in it. Sorry, that's the end of that. Sorry. Uh, question for you, Dean. Can you ask the beer guy, can you get Lucky Buddha beer in Ireland? Chinese beer came in a green uh, bottle shaped like a Buddha. Yeah, it is available in the UK and I, I don't know if I've seen it in Ireland. A number of those beers were coming over uh, to Ireland from the UK uh, before they packaged up Britain and sent it out to orbit around Mars mm. uh, a, a few years ago. Uh, Britain no longer exists on this planet. Uh, yes. In, in normal terms. Yes. So it's, <laughs> it's become an awful lot more difficult since Brexit to get stuff out of the UK. OK, um, a question for you, Fanula. Has Love Island ever won a BAFTA? 
oh, why are you putting me on the spot? No, like it's that? not I a trick question. Somebody think, wants to know. I think it's... Uh, Unscripted production or something like that. Yeah, one. I feel like one of the years it did. I think. I'd imagine. Yeah. would have to have. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, you turn your nose up at it. Like, it's, uh, 2018 and one best reality show. Yeah, I'm I knew it. Told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. So there's That's all answer. it would be eligible for. Awesome. Like mm. Nobody's getting an outstanding lead performance in yeah. that for being like, well, I'd like to couple up with this girl. Uh, yeah, well... Well, I don't know. if you choose between that and, and a Keanu Reeves performance <laughs> in a drama, that might be 50 50. Uh, so, uh, first with Bob Dylan, now Snoop Dogg wants to be in Coronation Street. Yeah, he's uh, he's dying for a role. So, he's on tour at the minute. I think he only very recently played Dublin, uh, but he's obviously doing a lot of press in the UK to promote the tour or whatever. Um, and he's talking about like he has this strong connection with the UK which I completely forgot this. So, like, the late Queen gave him permission to travel to the UK. Uh, because he, at the time he was facing a tour ban when he was accused of murder in the mid-90s. But the Queen was like, Harry and William love you and you've never committed crime here. So over your pop. So he's always felt like this kindred connection God, I with never the knew UK. That. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So um, he's been talking about the UK and his love of it, particularly Carnation Street. And he said he'd love to do a role. I loved, I loved this line in particular about Carnation Street because... I don't, I don't want to make any assumptions, but it kind of, it's giving devil's lettuce vibes, maybe, as we know he partakes. He said, I love the cinematography, acting, <laughs> the storylines, and just the reality. So he said he's up for it. He also said he's mm. well up for playing the King's Coronation, because apparently they cannot book anyone for that in terms of performers. Why not? Uh, well, Adele wasn't free, apparently, conveniently, Harry Styles. They asked Elton John, which seems nuts to me, given she was the late Princess Diana's best friend. But anyway, he's not free. They couldn't get the Spice Girls back together. Apparently, it's like a Ooh, banger trying to yeah. get someone to perform. So this is a bit like the Trump inauguration in terms of who they can kind get. Kind of, yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, Snoop has said he's free, so who knows. Apparently, I think they've they've confirmed, I think, take that and potentially Kylie and Danny Minogue. So we'll see. It'll be very interesting who ends up performing. Right, okay. But there's I, I, a didn't, I didn't even know they had bands or that kind of a thing. Well, yeah. they do now, yeah. yeah. They do, yeah. I thought it was like you sit on the thing and sits on his throne and everybody kneels or whatever. Oh, no. not for like the official... No, but like it's, yeah. for, like, they have the events around it. Like, yeah. yeah. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, outside. And Charles like, is, yeah, and Charles sits there and with the, claps or with whatever. The to drop it like oh, Look at the common people like the, <laughs> like the music. Right, there's going to be a follow-up to The Room. I, I, I wish there wouldn't be. Well, it's kind of not a follow-up to The Room, but it's his, it's Tommy Wiseau's like directorial film follow-up, right? So it's called Big Shark. It follows three firefighters, Georgie, Patrick and Tim, as they work to save New Orleans from an attack by... A very big shark attack. Um, the trailer's out now if anyone wants to watch it. But I would say, like, Sharknado has done this and they did mm. it better ha- as someone who watched them all very recently and enjoyed them quite a lot. They are going to make a cocaine shark, uh, 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 you know, after Cocaine Bear. Uh-huh. I don't think it's the same people. They just ripped off the Oh, idea. yeah, you know, the Asylum do that, yeah. It's yeah. just like film studio that basically just, like, whatever film is in cinemas or is people are talking about, they'll just, like, copy it and then just... Because it's the asylum that did Sharknado yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah. Sharks are back. Shark exploitation was back as a genre. I'm okay, you. that's good to hear. There you go. Uh, someone says, "I hate the jumpy cameras in the Paul Greengrass Bourne movie, supposedly aimed at making you feel like you're there." Yeah. But if I was there, I'd keep my head steady so I could actually see what's going on, which makes perfect sense. <laughs> makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah buddy. <laughs> I get it. Apparently, the Queen's funeral is also up for a BAFTA. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, what's the category? Is it like best funeral? <laughs> do they throw it into the ground? Like, like, I, I don't know which bit. You know, what, which highlight do they play when oh they're my God. on the night? That'd be a mad one. Right, we do have to take... 
Uh, it's the best live event. Okay. It's quite the opposite of that, <laughs> I would have thought. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Uh, let's have our uh, second uh, beer of the day, Dean. So we're on to Chimé Special. It's a strong Belgian blonde ale. So 10% ABV. And it was originally brewed to celebrate the 150th um, anniversary of the founding of the Chimé Brewery in 2012. And then a number of years ago, they brought it back. It was originally brewed as a one-off beer and they've brought it back. It sits a little bit outside style guidelines. Normally with Belgian blonde ales, they're around the 5.5 to 7.5% Mm. ABV. This is up at 10%. <laughs> 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 but but the, it doesn't... The it, delirium tastes stronger than that. It's, yeah, yeah. No, the, there's a couple of things in it. The, the, the first thing on it is um, a lemon meringue flavour. So you get a kind of a, an aroma of lemon curd and a certain amount of meringue sweetness. And then as you go into it a little bit more, there is a kind of macerated fruit jellies. So like fruit jellies soaked in alcohol. And the spice flavour starts to come through as suspiciously alcoholic spice flavour. So instead mm-hmm. of licorice, it's more sambuca and a certain amount of ginger in it. Absolutely beautiful beer. It is deceptively easy to drink um, yeah, at 10% ABV. Uh, really, really easy to drink. But just um, it, 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 given the, the event that's on this weekend, a little bit of talk about uh, home brewing and it's where it fits into the world of beer. Um, what you've got is uh, a lot of the original craft brewers in the States uh, grew out of home brewing. So you've got Bells in Michigan. Uh, they have a brewery in Kalamazoo, uh, Dogfish Head, uh, the brewers of uh, uh, Pliny the Younger and Pliny the Elder in Russian River. Uh, they were all frustrated home brewers that had two problems. First of all, they hated mass market American mm. beer. And second of all, it was illegal to homebrew in the States after oh, really? Prohibition. Oh, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. So they had to uh, get the law changed. They had to, to get everything uh, so that it was possible to brew the beer. And then after brewing the beer, you had a three-tier system in the States where a brewer couldn't own a distributor, couldn't own a pub. So the idea of a brew pub meant that there was no need for a distributor and the brewer owned the pub. So they had to get the law changed so that they could bypass the three-tier system. Oh, gosh. Um, so an <laughs> awful lot of the innovation in home brewing, uh, in brewing has come from home brewers. And home brewers have done off-the-wall things. Now, home brewing kind of gets a bad rap. Usually the first thing that you say when you say to somebody that you're going to be tasting 217 home brewed beers, I won't be tasting all 217 myself. There are other people uh, judging them is will you be struck blind you know yeah, do, yeah, do, yeah. Do you expect yeah, but did it clean the bath at least there's, yeah. Yeah, there's an interesting uh, thing uh, um, a science experiment that we replicated I got my kids to replicate it as part of a science project they um, got two uh, colas and uh, got people to taste the colas uh, one uh, basically a Coca-Cola bottle and the second was uh, a discount own label mm. uh, supermarket uh, beer got people to taste the two colas and then rate them out of 10. And basically people would say, oh, I think that one's a six, that one's a four, whatever, and so on. Out of 30 people, and this was uh, consistent with the original study that was done, 90% of them rated them different, differently, even though it was the same liquid. 
Yeah, isn't that interesting? Um, so yeah, isn't that interesting? Of, one of the yeah. things about home viewing is when people hear it's home viewing, they automatically assume, oh, it's home yeah, viewing, it's not going to be good. There, yeah. But sometimes, now, you will get a lot of home brewed beers that aren't the May West. Yeah. Um, but every now and then you come across one that's really amazing and you've got really creative brewers who are doing an amazing job with very, very limited uh, resources mm. and brewing interesting beers. And they're the beers that evolve into the new England IPA or the new styles yeah. that come about. That is true. So it's, it's kind of a place for creati- yeah. creativity and innovation yeah. in beer. Uh, right now, we all know at this stage of the game that uh, this is the last season of Succession. I do like. I they, they were showing them there on Sky News. They had Brian Cox, I think, opening the stock market. Mm. Um, They've been flat out on the press. Yeah. yeah, the final season kicks off on Monday. On now, I'm extremely excited. And as I said, they've all been talking about it because they've been doing press for it and talking about whether it, it's the right time to end. Brian Cox has said that it was the right ending for the show and said, you know, British writers, they have discipline and know that shows like this have a shelf life, but and said that Jesse ultimately came to the decision. Je- Jesse Armstrong, I should say, the creator. Um, but said that said that he was very nervous about finishing it. Said he was terrified. Um, but he's just he's kind of been on the rampage <laughs> with this with this press tour. I think at the US premiere there was a couple of clips of him like roar like absolutely full Logan Roy that's his character in succession like roaring at something or someone and nobody's really sure why he was I've seen clips of it you can seek it out pretty easily online some people have said he was like in character for the premiere I've heard from other people that it was like there was an issue with the photographers and he was annoyed that they were taking too long um, it's been very enjoyable to watch uh, on the contrary as well though the boss of HBO Casey Blows he was speaking at something this week and said he would have taken like two more seasons from it obviously because it does wow. so okay. well but Jesse was just like no we're done uh, reviews for season 4 are so good Guardian gave it 4 stars Independent says this season guarantees its place in TV history I cannot wait but yeah. I'm also I'm kind of devastated now I think I'm actually kind of realising that I this is the last chance I have to spend with these rich freaks all that stood out for me about that was that the boss of HBO is called Casey Blows Casey Blows <laughs> Yeah, because, oh my God, the teasing must have been terrible uh, when, he, when he was at school, uh, as well as everything else. Uh, but you haven't seen anything? You haven't seen any previews or anything? Um, am I allowed to say this yet? I don't, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I saw the first episode, that's all they sent me. They only sent me the first episode. Okay, there you go. He can say he's done it. I don't know. Uh, well, maybe I got, well, okay. I'm. I think we're. I think we're safe. I think. I don't think we're going to be massively disappointed by it. If you're a fan, okay. And if you haven't watched it, watch it now. You have time. It starts Monday. You have loads of time to watch. Yeah. Okay. So it is good. Yeah. First episode. Good as the rest of it. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. yeah. You would say. Wait, you got to see the whole series? No, just the first episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. I was like, Could you no! think? No, I, uh, like the way she was going on now, you think that, you know. As if they'd be giving me the whole series. Because I, like, I asked for the whole series and they only just sent me the first episode. I was like, right, where's the rest of it? Like, so. They don't need to send you the whole series. No, yeah. you know, I mean, so no, no, absolutely not. But it's just, yeah. it's annoying. I they don't need to give to us clubs. I yeah. know, yeah, but I was like, I want to watch the whole thing. Like, because they did for The Last of Us. I got to see the whole season before everyone else. Oh, like, did you? Oh, well. Oh, God. That's what I'm saying. That should win awards. Oh, that yeah. should absolutely win That's definitely going to be up for yeah. a lot of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Right, we'll move on to our second movie today. It's God's Creatures. Here's a clip. What the hell are you doing here, boy? Jesus Christ, the size of it. Just stronger you get. Come here. Well, boy, I see
Wow, look at you, huh? Your hair, your bitches. Right, God, that yeah. clip made no sense at all. Yeah, well, essentially what's going on is Paul Mescal's character has spent time in Australia. He's returned home to this, like, kind of... I don't want to say dilapidated, but certainly a kind of down-on-us-look seaside village. His mother, played by Emily Watson, runs this processing plant for the fishermen. Mm. And uh, they also ran this, like, oyster farm as well, out in the kind of the the shallows or whatever. Anyways, um, so initially it's kind of... As you heard there, it's kind of met with like joy. Everyone's delighted to see him and all the rest of it. He's had a bit of a rough relationship with his father, but very much tied to his mother. And then as the story kind of goes along, you start to kind of realise that like Paul Meskel's character, like he kind of left under a bit of a cloud and also as well that he has a sort of a manipulative relationship with his mother because the mother is, you know, is just very much kind of protective of him, tries to keep him away from the father and all the rest of it. Then he tries to rekindle a relationship with Ashlyn Franciosi, who people might know from The Nightingale. I think she was in The Fall as well. She's this like old flame that he had a relationship with who's now married to a man who's in an abusive relationship. That relationship ends, and then we kind of maybe think that something happens between the two of them. Um, but then a week goes by, and the National Franciosi's character makes a complaint of sexual assault against him. And Emily Watson, the mother... Uh, provides him with an alibi straight away. She says, mm-hmm. yeah, no, he was with me that entire night. I saw him the entire time, even though she knows that he wasn't there. Yeah. And then is brought to court and again has to lie for him and, you know, mm-hmm. protects him yeah. and all the rest yeah. of it. And this then drives a wedge through everyone in the village because the people that she worked with in her processing plant all knew the woman in question, Ashton Franciosi, knew that she wouldn't lie about this kind of thing. But then she has to protect her son and then she kind of slowly starts to realise that actually, no, maybe he's just a scumbag sociopath who mm. just controls everybody and manipulates everyone. And, you know, he does other kind of shady kind of stuff as well. Like he, you know, it's just, it's very good because, I mean, the writer, Shane Crowley, like he said that he basically took this story from that famous case back in 2009, I want to say, where, you know, everyone lined yeah. up to shake the hand of the guy that was sent yeah. off to prison for a rape. Yeah. And he took inspiration from that. And again, when you're watching this, the thing of it is, is that it is sickeningly familiar because, you know, small towns, rural villages, cities, whatever, in Ireland, everyone knows a story like this where somebody made a complaint, somebody accused somebody of rape or sexual assault and then the entire village and town just kind of collapsed in around yeah, the man yeah. and protected him. I'm not sure, well, he was in the GA, wasn't yeah. he? I'm not sure. Didn't we know his dad and all the rest of it and he was a good man and all the rest of it and there's no way he could do it, this, that and the other. Yet the evidence is pretty clear for anyone who wants to see. And I think what God's Creature does very well is, is that it has a sense of... I guess, uh, remove. It doesn't necessarily judge the madness of protecting somebody who's clearly a scumbag, who clearly did this, but at the same time tries to kind of wrestle with, you know, a mother instinctively protecting her son and just not even realising what she's doing, just protecting him outright. I think Emily Watson does it very, very well because she has this ability to feel all these emotions and these very kind of dark impulses but is able to hide behind complete impassivity and like her Mm, eyes just kind of tell a whole story and Paul Meskel does that as well and it's interesting as well because like you know you look at him in Normal People or in After Sun he's able to play these very vulnerable tender people in this 
there is that sort of vulnerability there initially and he uses it very well but then you just realise no he's just a little scumbag like Mm. he's just doing that whole kind of weak tender blue eyed kind of thing to get everyone on side and to everyone not realise what a little asshole he is you know that kind of way that he actually is a terrible human being underneath it all and but where God's Creatures falls down for me I think is in the final scene and I don't want to give it away yeah but it felt to me like a cop-out. It felt to me like a complete cop-out. Like they had just written themselves into a corner and they didn't really know how to kind of finish it all off. So they just said, right, we'll just write this scene and just we'll leave it at that. And then hopefully people, will, there'll be enough there to kind of close this story out. It's just a little bit too clean for a story that is so complex, is so nuanced, the performances are so strong to end so suddenly and so kind of unsatisfyingly I think is oh it's, that's a shame yeah well, it sounds like a bit of a harrowing kind oh, of watch yeah, no, it's, a, it's not a comfort no god no it's not one of these films that like you can go in and like yeah yeah I'm going to breezily watch this and yeah. have a good crack no 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 you walk out of this traumatised not in the sense of it's disturbing but just that it has a real sense of a real atmosphere of like dread and tension and rural gothic like so yeah. Oh crikey! Yeah. Right. Speaking of sort of, uh, well, not rural gothic, but sort of gothic. They're 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 gonna make a remake of Vertigo. Yes, the 1958 Alfred Hitchcock thriller, and they're looking at Robert Downey Jr. for the lead role. That's not confirmed, uh, but they are eyeing him up. And the script is coming from Stephen Knight, who people will know from Peaky Blinders, which we mentioned oh. earlier. But um, he's very busy because he's also just signed on to do the new. Star Wars, Star Wars movie after the writers of the the movie left. And he has a Dickens and adaptation. Um, he's very busy. Habersham is a crack addict or something in it. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, mad stuff yeah. altogether. There you go. So Ah, no, not Vertigo. Yeah. Is there a need? Like, is there any... Uh, is know. Robert Downey Jr.? I, I don't know. That seems no. a total miscast. Because, like, I mean, the great thing about James Stewart was was that he was this, like, wimp. Yeah. He was a wimp. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no, it's too tall. Oh, mm. You know, like, it's it, that was what made it so funny. Like, or not funny, but it is funny yeah. a little bit. But also, as well as the fact that, like, okay, yes, Alfred Hitchcock did remake, did, has done remakes, and he remade himself. And there yeah, was that, like, yeah. the Gus Van Sant one as well, I thought it was great. I know people didn't like it, but I thought it was brilliant. The one of um, Psycho with Vince Vaughn. But uh, most remakes, I think, that work, work because the, the technological prowess or whatever wasn't there initially. Like, and the best example of that is, like, Dune. There was David Lynch's Dune. Yeah, yeah. Muck. <laughs> yeah. And then there was the Denis Villeneuve one, the one with Timothy Chalamet, and that was absolutely incredible. So, like, Vertigo was pretty well done back in 1958. You yeah. don't really need to touch it. like no. So I wouldn't be surprised if this fell apart, though. I can't see in this because I think it's going to, I would say this would collapse pretty soon, I think. Yeah, let's hope so. Uh, let's all pray tonight for the collapse of, of a movie deal. Uh, Fanula Dean and uh, Brian, thanks William, for coming in to us. Movies and booze. I'm Moncrief. On News Talk.